0: We are in the middle of a new sermon series, and the sermon series that I've titled is uh, The Essentials of a Thriving Church. Essentials of a Thriving Church. And we're working our way through, thinking what's important uh, aspects to have in church life, and if I move to a different area, what should I look for in a church that's going to be helpful and guide me in the right way? Um, We've been asking this question, we've been answering it along the way. This is our third uh, third sermon in this series. The first two, you can remember uh, some of the topics we've already discussed. Essentials of a Thriving Church. So, a thriving church, first of all, uncovers God's truth, and that is biblical exposition. It is using the Bible. It is knowing that the truth that we seek and that is, has to guide us comes from above. It does not come from man. And so we know that that only to be in God's word. We are looking to draw out from the text that we study what, what is important to us, how we're supposed to live, what God has to teach us. That was number one essential. We uncover God's truth. A thriving church also, number two, what we talked about last time, cherishes God's good news cherishes God's good news. And that, again, is the gospel and conversion. His good news is his gospel message through Jesus Christ. A church that is thriving understands that message because they've studied his word and they get the message from his word. They don't impose worldly ideas or thoughts on what, who Jesus is or isn't or how we get to heaven or how we don't. We go to God's word We understand the gospel. We come together around the gospel and conversion. That's number two, cherishes God's good news. Today, we look at number three. The thriving church intentionally commits to one another. Intentionally commits to one another. What does that mean? It means that we understand we're a group that is here for a specific purpose. That purpose is to glorify God, to worship him, to understand him, And to to recognize him as our Savior. We come together as a group, as a a gathered church. Remember our church, when we say church, it's not the church building. It's not the Sunday morning worship service. It's not, you know, the denomination that we're in. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about church. We're talking about a group of individuals gathered together for a purpose. And that purpose is glorifying God through the instruction of his word, following after him. We intentionally commit to one another and to this gathering. A church that is thriving has to have individuals that specifically do that. Now, we've maybe heard that before, and in our mind that makes sense. We want to be part of a group, but then we get to thinking sometimes, wouldn't it be nice if we just were alone, doing our own thing? Yeah, I wouldn't have to worry about stepping on people's toes. I wouldn't have to worry about being active in ministry. I wouldn't have to worry about all of these things that come with a group of people, right? Sometimes it's difficult, and in our mind, we can be tempted to think, well, it's better if I just do my Christian walk alone. I mean, do I really need all this? I've got the Bible. I can read the Bible myself. There's so many good biblical books from authors that can teach me about the Bible. Now I've got, you know, online services where I can hear good preaching and teaching. All of those, guess what Satan uses to compound in our mind this idea that I really don't need fellowship. I really don't need the church. We, we find a very different story when we look at Scripture. We, we see that it is essential. It's an essential part of our Christian walk to be around other Christians, to be growing alongside of them, to be challenging them and them challenging us You know, not too long ago, we as a church were forced to really stop services for a brief time. We remember COVID. All churches initially were, hey, we want to be careful. We want to be safe. We want to take care of people. And for our church here, that was a time period for about three to four months where we took off from meeting in person. And maybe at that, you can remember those first times, first Sundays that we watched it on the, the TV and we watched the sermon And you thought, I can maybe get used to this. I get to have my coffee. I can sit in my pajamas. Yeah, this is kind of a fun thing, you know. But as those weeks went on, and we weren't able to meet with one another, I hope you felt the same way I did, that, man, I I feel a little, you know, disconnected from the people that are going to help me. I I feel like, you know, we should be doing more. And it's not just about God's word that we're taking in, which we are. We we know that that's what we want to do. But God's church and what he has given us for our growth and purpose is more than just uh, the message. It's the group that is presenting the message and growing together. And as those weeks went on, you know, we feel disconnected from each other. And we were hopefully happy and joyful to come back and to get to be in person. You know, talking with people. Half of the fun of being at church is the, the in-between times, in-between Sunday school and the morning worship. You get to talk with people. You get to catch up with people. You get to see what God's doing. You know, And, and we, we have to be intentional in being part of those things, being part of those, those conversations and groups. We have to make sure we're here because we want to commit to one another. That's what we're going to look at today, an essential of a thriving church. Number three, we intentionally commit to one another. Okay, let's look at verses Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. In Ephesians 4, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says this in verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, stop right there. What we get in that verse 11 is all of the things that God gave for the building up the body of Christ. The body of Christ is what he's talking about is... Uh, the, 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 the Christians, the believers that join together. That is the body. Now, as we think about that, the universal body of Christians are all believers from all ages. And in a very specific way, God gave from that universal church a local representation of that universal body. And he calls us to be part of that specific local church um, that is glorifying God in a specific way, holding each other accountable And growing together. So we got the universal church that's all believers, but we know that all believers don't and can't, uh, from all ages, do all the things that Scripture tells us that a church is supposed to do. Scripture is always pointing us to the fact that there's a local group of believers we need to be connected with, we need to be part of, and we need to be giving ourselves to that body. It says he gave those apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds. These are the, the leaders, the directors, the shepherds and teachers there talking about pastors. He's, he's given pastors for the local representation of, of the body of Christ. It says, what did he give all of those people for? To equip the, the saints for the work of the ministry. The saints are all Christians. And as they're part of a local church, they're growing, they're being equipped. They're using what God has given them and has equipped them with for God's glory and the benefit of all those who are around him. It says, for the building up the body of Christ. Multiple times in scripture, it uses this illustration of the body of Christ being believers and the head being Christ. The head is the one that we follow, that guides us. Like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, he's our shepherd. But we are the body, we're the hands and feet. We do the work of the ministry as saints. Look at verse 13 going on. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We have that connection of the body and Christ being the head. See all those things that happen between verse 13 and verse 16? We're growing in maturity, we're growing in the knowledge of the Son of God. We want to reach the measure of fullness of Christ. That's what he has called the local body of believers to do, to be challenging one another in our Christian walk to be doing that. Then it also says it protects us. It says so that we're not tossed to and fro by the waves that uh, carry about every wind of every way into who is the head, who is Jesus Christ. We are tempted by, by culture to believe everything that is wrong and against Scripture. You know what that leads us to? We need a group of believers who are committed to his word, who are committed to each other, so, that we can keep ourselves on track following after the shepherd, following after Christ, until we're all equipped and we're using what we're equipped with to help the body grow. So, what did we learn from this passage this morning? Our main thing, take away from our message today, is this a healthy, thriving church must consist of individuals that are committed to the local fellowship of believers. When we talk about a church. It's a group, it's a body, you know, multiple people, but it's made up of individuals. And look at this, says a healthy, thriving church must consist of individuals. That means how I think, how you think, how we think in our individual lives must be consistent with what Scripture says. And that means that we have to be committed to that local body of believers, the church. As we individually think, we have to say, hey, the church is important. The group is important. What I'm doing here is important. So what does that look like? That's the question we're going to answer today. What does it look like to be a committed um, individual in a church, in a church body? What does it look like? Number one, it looks like willingly and formally joining a fellowship of believers. Willingly and formally joining a fellowship of believers. That's saying I'm willing to be part of the group, You know, that, that takes you a step further than saying, hey, I, I'm going to be there for the Sunday morning service because that's not a bad thing for you to get. You're going to get God's word. But, you know, if I join, if I make that step to commit in a specific way to be there and to, to be part of that group, it's much different than just saying, I like to enjoy a good sermon. It's much different. And that's what God wants for us as a group, to be part of that. Do it willingly. And do it formally. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts 2. Look at Acts 2. uh, Turn to verse 42. Acts 2 is the account that Jesus leaves with us, the narrative account of what happened after Jesus was resurrected, went back into heaven, and as he left the apostles, the apostles were used to help start the church. What we find in Acts 2, verse 42, Peter himself has just got done preaching a message to the Jewish people. Many of the Jewish people who cried, crucify him, about Jesus, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Peter gets up, he preaches a message, they're cut to the heart, With what he said, they want to repent and they ask ask Peter what to do. And he says, repent, be baptized, and join the believers that are here. And this 42 says what happens next. It says, verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking uh, bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What's it say? They got saved. And Peter says, what's the next step? You need to be part of a group of believers that are committed to following Christ. And you know what they did? They did that exact thing. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They came together to study God's word, to do it in depth, and to put it into practice. Not just the teaching, but also the fellowship. There are times when we don't have a teaching thing that's happening, but we want to get together for fellowship. Because we talk about each other's day. We talk about each other's week. What's going on? How can I pray for you? And even just to have a fun and joyful time with other believers. You know, as believers, we have a different perspective on life. It's much different than hanging out with unbelievers. Now, That's not saying we shouldn't have you know, unsaved friends. Of course we should. But we also should have believing friends who are helping us think right. And just even able to have a good, fun, joyful time with them for fellowship, and it says also for the breaking of bread in prayers, for the specific things that God <clears throat> has laid out in scriptures that we are called to do as a church family. They joined together, all of them, for that purpose. They were so closely knit together that they even used their possessions and everything they had and said, we're going to care for each other. And here's the thing, they also knew who wasn't part of that group. They were welcoming all to, in the name of Jesus Christ, become part of that group And as they committed themselves to that group and to the leadership that was over that group, they were willing to accept anybody in, but they knew the difference between unbelievers and believers. And as those people joined and accepted, it says in verse 47, they were praising God, having favor with people, and the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. They were part of that group and they were put into practice all the things that God had called them to do. <clears throat> they weren't put into practice right away, uh, or I should I should say before they joined that group. It was after, and everybody knew what they had committed to. This week, I'm taking my kids to a Timberwolves game. Uh, one of my kids had a birthday. Well, I should say two of my kids, and so we're, we're kind of we're combining those. We're doing a birthday fun thing. We're bringing them to the Timberwolves game. Now imagine, though, I go to the Timberwolves game on Friday, and I'm someone who loves basketball. And if you've talked to me, you know that. And as I'm sitting there, I decide to myself, I love this game. You know what would be even better? I would love to jump out on the court and start playing with the, with the professionals. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? And so I think, of, well, I'm just going to jump out there. We know what would happen. You know, the security guard would tackle me. There's no way I would be able to be put into the game. I would not be able to play with them. Because I'm not part of the team, right? I haven't gone through the right steps. The management hasn't accepted me in. The te- my teammates don't know me. I, don't, I would not be able to play with that specific team. It goes the same way with our church. Church, local bodies of believers, God has called us to make a decision, to come out and to join with that. Give yourself to that body. Be part of that body. What does it look like and what's involved in that? Well, first of all, that involves testifying publicly to a group of believers your salvation in Christ and desire to live for him. We specifically have a membership class here at Faith Baptist Church that we help people think through everything that we teach and believe here at the church. And after that, we ask if someone is still wanting to be join us. Uh, our salvation is what we base our membership on. Those who accept Jesus Christ, know Jesus Christ, want to live for Jesus Christ, they're willing to stand up and say, I want to be part of this group because we're, they're following Jesus and I want to follow along with this group. we got to be willing to testify publicly to the group that, that we want to be followers of Christ. What else is involved? Well, it's asking the church for guidance, direction, and help for your Christian walk. As you join with the church, that's essentially what you're doing. You're saying, I want to be part of this group. And I, I want the church to help me in this endeavor of mine to live for Christ. You know, I am not a lone ranger that can do any, my, my Christian walk by myself. We recognize God has not called us to do our Christian walk by ourselves. And as we join formally, willingly, officially, we're saying, Church, can you help me in this? Can you be part of my Christian walk? And I want to be part of your Christian walk too. That's what God's called us to. It also involves committing to mutual edification of the body of believers and knowing I'm there for you, you're there for me. It also involves putting yourself under the authority of the church. God has given a structure in Scripture where the pastors and shepherds are the ones that are guiding and leading the church. Um, They are under shepherds. They're the ones that are looking to the great shepherd, the good shepherd. And as they're leading the church, they're trying to guide it and direct it in a way that is is good for the church. And you, as those who join with, are giving suggestions and thoughts, but also willing to follow. I want to follow what what the church has to uh, say is good for me. We willingly put ourselves under that authority. In short, what joining officially means is commitment. It's committing yourself to the body of believers. And God calls us to do that. That is good as we have a group that's together. We're committed to one another. What else does it look like to be committed to a fellowship of believers? We've talked about number one, we have to be willingly and formally joined to a fellowship of believers. That brings us to number two. Number two, uh, be present and active with your fellowship of believers. Be present and active with your fellowship of believers. This week, one of the projects I worked on was to fix uh, a doorknob that we had at our house. of course, I picked the coldest day to do it. It was yesterday we were doing it. And the kids were all, you know, crying about how cold it was in the house. But the thing was, I thought it would be quite easy, right? You know, you just switch out an old doorknob, old deadbolt, and I was going to just do that quickly. I thought, I mean, I only need a quick, easy tool, screwdriver or so. And so I got those couple little tools. And as I'm working on it, I realized that the project always gets bigger than you think it's going to be. And I needed some other tools, but of course, being the lazy person that I am, I didn't want to do that right away. And I tried to just make it work with the tools that I had available. We know how that works out. It just you never, you never quite have what you need, right? It doesn't work out. The doorknob didn't fit right. I had to go out to the garage to the extra thing that I needed a specific tool and get it, you know? But the problem is I had the tool. It was there. It was just out in the garage, but it wasn't present with me when I needed it. Right Don't we have the same type of problem with our church when we have people that have committed maybe to the church, but if they're not making it a priority to be present and active in the church, the church is not going to be able to function in the way that it needs to to be best glorifying God, best evangelizing the community, and best uh, you know, challenging each other in our Christian walk. If we're not present and active, you know, the church is struggling. We all have different uh, talents, abilities, things that God's given to us. And as we commit those to the church, being present with the church, it's going to help. It's going to help. Turn over to Hebrews ten nineteen through 25, a passage that we read already. But I want you to see a couple things from this passage as well. Hebrews 10.19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, so first he starts out with those first couple verses, reminding us who we are in Jesus Christ. We're followers of him. We can come to him. He's leading us. And he's talking to a group of believers a church and then he goes on to verse 22 and he says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. The thing we want to pull out as we keep going on here is all the times he says, let us, let us, let us. He's using the plural here, this idea of a group group of believers that he's talking to and he's challenging to grow in Christ, to follow after Christ. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now some pastors in the past have really just honed in on that One phrase, beginning of verse 25, that says, not neglecting to meet together. And they say, meet. Anytime the doors are open, for sure you've got to be there. And it's all about the presence that they're talking about. They they want you to be present. Now, that's not a bad thing, and it's a good thing, but here we have to realize why he's talking about being present. Look at before that. It says, and let us, uh, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. How are you supposed to stir one another up to love and good works If we're not continually with one another, you know, even if we're only with each other a little bit, we know that relationships take a long time to develop, right? If I only see someone briefly before they leave the church on a Sunday morning, very tough for me to develop any type of a relationship to pray for them effectively, to care about what their situation is. It's very difficult, but it says that just like in Acts, they were continually together so that... They, they knew everything about each other. And, and it, they made it a priority so that they could stir one another up to love and good works. What are those love and good works? Following after Christ. That's what. And then it goes to verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the da, day drawing by. How can we uh, encourage one another, stir one another up to good works if we're not continually together? That brings us back to what we we find be present and active with your fellow uh, fellowship of believers. Be present and active is an essential. I want to break those apart and see them just individually for a second because sometimes we can see, well, if I'm just present, that's what i got to look for. Well, I would say it doesn't just include one thing that we're doing, not just being present. It doesn't mean just walking through the church doors that you're fulfilling being part of the church. Don't just be present because sometimes we come in And we can very easily be distracted. We can sit in the entryway and look on our phones. We can even sit in the pews here and be on our phones, scrolling. We cannot do what we're called to do. And just because we walk through the doors, we think, well, I'm present. I'm present. That's all that really matters is that I'm here. That's not what church is all about. That's not what committing yourself to the body looks like. Don't just be present. Here's the other part of that. Don't just be active. Don't just be active. There's a lot of things in the church that needs people to be willing to step into ministries, step into doing all these different things that the church does, right? But we can also fall into the temptation that as long as I'm active, that means I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in the church. Now, here's a problem. If I say yes to every ministry opportunity, and I don't ever find myself with a gathered body or with, an, with a, a time to fellowship with those who are around me. But only time that I come to church is if I have nursery duty or if I'm doing Sunday school or if I'm doing this thing. You know, and it's all about the activeness of it. Is it bad to be part of a ministry? No, it's not. But if I'm saying yes to everything and all I'm doing when I come to church is only working and I'm not fellowshipping with the believers and I'm not having those conversations to build relationships, I don't think we're getting the full purpose of what the church is for. You know what that means? Sometimes you might have to say no. Sometimes you might have to say, I can't fit another thing into ministry, and you know, I want to look at the, 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 the full understanding of the church, and I, I want to grow in fellowship. I want to minister. You've got to have a balance, right? Saying yes to where I can minister, but also saying it's important for me to be part of the church as they're gathered, as they're studying. You know? And as you come, put it in your mind, I'm here to study, to worship, to fellowship. Right? Not just to be by myself, not to get out of here as quick as I can after the, the fact. It's about being gathered together. Be present and active. Now here's the reality behind it, <clears throat> is that you need other Christians. You need other Christians. We were not built and made to be alone. Living in our own Christian walk. That means you can get, take in a good sermon at home, you can read your Bible at home, but we need other believers to be around us. Even in negative ways, if we've got sinful people acting against me, or I'm sinful at sometimes against another person, you know what that means? We need to work through that together in a godly way. And it helps us grow in maturity when we're with each other. You need other Christians. That's why the church is important. Another aspect of that is that other Christians need you. Other Christians need you. You might think to yourself, I'm smart enough. You know, church people, they drag me down. They make me feel bad sometimes and I don't don't want to be around them. But have you ever thought that, you know, your maturity in Christ can help lift somebody else up? It's not all about you. The church isn't about you. It's about being a part of that gathering so that you together can grow to be more like Christ. It's always about looking towards Christ, growing in Christ as a body, as a fellowship of believers. A healthy, thriving church must consist of individuals that are committed to the local fellowship of believers. What does that look like? First of all, a willingness to formally join a fellowship of believers. Number two, to present, to be present and active with your fellowship of believers. That leads us to the third thing. Number three, support the work of God with your fellowship of believers support the work of God with your fellowship of believers. Turn with me to Romans 12:3 through 8. Romans 12:3 through 8. As you're turning there, a couple years ago I took the kids out tubing and it was when we first got probably our first boat. So it was I don't know 5 7 years ago maybe, but I remember tubing with them and the rope that came with the tube was a very skinny rope. I was like, ah, we'll see how this goes. And lo and behold, of course, that rope broke. And as I went to go buy a new rope, I made sure that it was going to have uh, the, the weight capacity that I needed. And as I ordered it and as I got it back to my house, you could see a, a much bigger difference, better difference in this new rope. And the difference was is that the new rope was a braided rope. It was braided with all the little strands that go together. And what we know is that a braided rope, much stronger much stronger. And as we think about uh, our Christian church, as we look to support the church, the church is much stronger as we're bound together in unity, in purpose, in glorifying God. When we're together as a group, we're stronger for Christ. Support the work of God with your fellowship of believers. Romans 12, look at verse 3. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What do we get in this passage is the illustration of a body. You know, a body has many different parts, many different functioning parts. And I'll tell you, as I get older of an individual, when one of those parts is not working well, uh, you feel it. Your whole body feels it. I like to play basketball, and just a week and a half ago, I twisted my ankle while I was playing. And you know what? It, it, it makes a difference on how you function the rest of the week because that one specific body part is not working. He uses this illustration in Romans, Paul does, to say we need to be willing to give our talents, abilities, all the things that we have for the purpose of the body so that it can function properly. And best, it's going to be a well-oiled machine when all of us are committed to using what we have for the the benefit of the body. For as in one body, we have many members. The members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one in body in Christ and individually members of one another. There's a whole chapter that Paul uses, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, that in depth takes this illustration even further. We're not going to take time to turn there, but what we're looking at is him challenging us to give ourself back to the church. What does that look like? First, it looks like giving your resources. Be willing to give what you have. You know, Scripture tells us that everything that we own is not actually ours. We are stewards of everything that God gives to us. Are you stewarding what God has given you well? Are you willing to give of your resources back to the church for God's glory? We have tax time that is coming up. Can you look back in the past year and say, hey, I, I can see that I was trying to be faithful with my resources by giving back to the Lord. You know, God tells us that he is uh, pleased with a cheerful giver, as we find in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, it gives us the illustration of, of uh, the followers of God giving a tithe, which is a tenth of all of their possessions. And the things that they take in, they're willing to say, God, I know it's all yours, and I want to support the work of the ministry. And they use their resources to do that. How about you? How about you? As you look at your finances, do you purposely plan out to give back to the Lord? Maybe it's a 10%. Maybe it's over 10%. Maybe it's under if if your resources don't allow it this time. But are you having a plan to give resources back? It is important for us to have a plan, not just to think, ah, oh, you know, the pastor made a good plea now uh, for the offering. I'm going to throw in five bucks. I'm going to throw in 20 bucks. You know, that's a big difference. But when you think about your paycheck and what a tenth looks like, you know, are you purposely looking to fulfill your responsibility to the Lord by saying, I want to support the local church that I'm a part of and the ministry that that money I give supports? I'm not making a, a, a plea as a pastor to say that God needs your money. God is going to make things uh, uh, happen here at the church and he's going to support the church with his resources. But do you know that God uses people and he wants you to, to not uh, have money as an idol, have possessions as an idol? One of the ways that he does it, he says, hey, be willing to give back to me so that you know all of your stuff is not yours that you don't live for your possessions, and at the same time, you support the ministries that are going on in the church. Give of your resources. What else does it look like to support the work of God with your fellowship? Not just your resources, but give of your time, talents, and abilities. This is something we mention often. Your time, talents, and abilities. Maybe this is even harder for you to do than your resources. It's much easier for me to write a check, put it in the thing, than... To take the time out of my week, out of my day, to care for people, to be part of a ministry that the church is doing. Are you willing to give of your time, your talents, and resources? There are many people out there who have talents that are different than mine, different than Pastor Dan's, different than a different individual in the church. And you can use those to help benefit the church. Something that I can't do, that nobody else can do. Are you looking to see which areas you have talents and abilities that can be used? God says, give of your time, talents, and abilities. Last one, we also have to give of ourself. We have to give of ourselves. Now, this week, on Wednesdays, we're studying through the book of 1 Thessalonians. One thing that stuck out to me was Paul as he's talking to the church at Thessalonica. And he says, my, my main priority was not just to give you the gospel, even though that was on my heart, and I wanted you to accept the gospel. But he said... In giving the gospel, I was also willing to give of myself. Verse 7 of First Thessalonians 2 says, But we were gentle with you, he's talking to the church there, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. Time and time throughout that small section, he shows, I cared about you. I, I cared about your what was happening in your life. I was affectionate towards you. And he was willing to give of himself. Uh, that's sometimes difficult for us. You know, give, give of my week, give of my time. But as we're giving to the church, we're supporting the church, we're doing it with our resources, we're doing it with our time, talents, and abilities, but we're also doing it with, with our own self. We're giving that over to the church. We can go through each and every one of these, but the, the question as we go through them is for you to ask, does that that characterize me as I think about that? Am I willing to give of myself? Am I willing to be part of that church and family the way God shows us his believers and family should be acting, functioning? Let's go to our last one. Number four. Number four, a thriving church. What does it look like to be committed to? Number four, grow deeper in Christ alongside your fellowship of believers. Grow deeper in Christ alongside your fellowship of believers. Turn to Philippians 1.27. I know I've got you going from one passage to the next, but this is important for us to see all these concepts coming together. Philippians 1.27. Paul again writing, says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What's it show? That these in, these believers, they're individuals, they come together as a church, but what is their main focus? It's the unity. He says, I may hear of, of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't, substitute that with anything else. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what brings us together. That's what we join around as believers is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know the gospel to mean the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ for the payment and forgiveness of the sins of the world, those who accept and believe in him. That's what we come. We do not come as a church around any other thing except that main purpose, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't come so that our kids can have something fun to do on Sundays. We don't come so we have a, a fun fellowship of, of people. And that's all we're worried about is, is making friends in my own age group with my own, uh, you know, parents with the same kids the same age as me. That's, those are different. Those are part of what we can do. But that is not the main thing that binds us together as a church of God. The main thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to hear, Paul says, I want to hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He wants us as a church family, as a group, to be striving for the faith. That means acceptance of the gospel, but then a life lived out for the gospel, for Jesus Christ. We want to, we want to give ourselves for that purpose let's go on verse 28 <clears throat> and not frightened in anything by your opponents this is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from god for it has been granted to you that for the sake of christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw i had and now here that i still have as we join together for the purpose of the gospel we're willing to go through anything for the sake of the gospel moving forward, whether that be persecution, whether that be difficulties. But as long as we have our direction pointing in the right spot is Jesus Christ, his message, and glorifying him, that's what we come together for. Grow deeper in Christ alongside your fellowship of believers. One of the things that we have as a church is a church covenant. And a church covenant helps us understand what we're joining together for. As we join behind the gospel A lot of things in Scripture are laid out for us to say, we need to be doing this, we need to be doing that. And as a person becomes a member of Faith Baptist Church, he joins and he signs a church covenant which says, I want to follow Christ and I want to follow what he tells me are good for me to do. I want to read our church covenant for you. You can follow along as I read. But as we read it, ask yourself, am I committed to these biblical truths and ideas about joining with a church? Have I done it? And if you have joined with the church in a formal way, am I fulfilling the responsibilities that Scripture says, as, as, a, as a person joined to the church, I should be doing? Let me read it. It says this. I know it's a little bit uh, small font, but follow along with me. It says, Having been led by the Spirit of God to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, Having been immersed upon our profession of faith in the name of our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another, as one body in Christ. We will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, nor neglect to pray for unity in the bond of Christ. If we move from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles. Of God's Word. We will rejoice in one another's happiness and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear one another's burdens and sorrows. We will endeavor to bring up those under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and by a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our family and friends. We will walk together in brotherly love, exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over one another and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as the occasion may may require. We will seek, with the Holy Spirit's power, to live carefully in the world, putting to death our sinful flesh, and striving to lead a new and holy life that will glorify our Savior. We will work together to continue a faithful evangelistic ministry in this church as we sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. We will contribute faith cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We will seek the help of the Holy Spirit in fulfilling the task of this covenant so as to walk in unity with God and our fellow believers. Now that's a lot for us to read, but it's important because it's, it's, it's what we join around. It's not specifically the covenant, but the covenant is telling us the biblical principles that God wants us to, as those who are joining to a church to be purposely doing and willing to to, to say, I want to grow in these areas. I want these areas to be part of my life. Is that something that you have done? Have you joined a church? Are you committed to these type of ideas? Here are some questions for us to ask, and this is what I want to close with. For you to ask, am I being a, a, a willing, active church member, Am I joining to the church the way that God wants me to? Here are some questions for us to ask. Number one, have I formally joined the church? Have I formally and willingly joined the church? Number two, have I been fulfilling my God-given responsibilities to the church? Three, do I pray for, think about, and have close relationships with others in the church? Number four, do I prioritize being active in church life? Do I prioritize being active in church life? Okay, I'm in the wrong spot. Here we are. Now you got me. Number five, am I participating in some form of ministry in the church? Am I participating in some form of ministry in the church? It's not just about sitting in the pews, but am I using what God's given? Number six, am I more annoyed with going to church than thankful for being part of a church. Now think about that one for a minute. You know, we've we got to give our time and effort to get here, even when it's freezing cold out. Sometimes we can get annoyed with going to church. Am I more annoyed with going to church than being active and part of a, of a family that loves God and that I can grow with? Number seven, do my finances prove that I continually support God's church? Do my finances prove that I continually support God's church? And then number eight, do I truly submit to the biblical truth that active church life is essential for Christian growth? And and I've worded that specifically because really that is submitting in mind, but also submitting in action to saying, "I, I know that it's important for me to be part in an active way of church life, so I'm going to submit by prioritizing, thinking of my week, my month, and making it, part of my life to be at church, to be with church, to be growing alongside of each other? Have you done that? Hopefully this morning I've challenged you with this topic of church. We come together each and every week, but it's important for us to remember why. We come together to glorify God together. Are you joining with and submitting yourself to and committing to that church family? Let's bow in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you We thank you for giving us the church body, the local family, people who are growing, uh, who are more mature than me and who are less mature than me, that we get to help each other. We get to be here to to, to love you and to to work for you. God, we thank you for the local body. Help us as a body to continue in what you want us to do, to reach the lost, to challenge uh, Christians to continue to mature in salvation to look for the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus, what he did for us in the past as he saved us. He went to the cross, he died for us, provided salvation. But God, help us to remember that's not the end, he's coming. Help us to look to the sky, remember he is on his way. Help us to use that, Lord, to serve you, to follow you. Thank you for our time and your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.